This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. Praise the Lord. God is good, isn't he? Amen. He is so good. If you would take your Bibles with me this morning and turn with me to the book of Genesis. All right, let us pray. Father, we come into your presence this morning, grateful for the opportunity to be able to worship you. We thank you, Lord, for your servants whom you anoint in ministry. We thank you that you are a God who is alive and active. We thank you that you are on the move and we want to be on board with what you're doing. Would you pour out a fresh touch upon every single one that is here today? Give us, I pray, a heart to be able to grasp and ears to be able to hear what your spirit is saying so that we can be effective in our service for your kingdom. In Jesus' precious name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. When God wants to get something done, there's always a preparation time. There's always a process that he works. I often think about how God is omnipotent, meaning he's all-powerful. There is nothing he can't do. He can do anything at any time. And I think about what I would do if I were God, you know, if I had his power. And, uh, you know, in your daily life, no doubt you have chores, you have things to do to take care of in your house, um, and you have a lot of responsibilities. And now just imagine uh, just for a moment that you didn't have to do those, but you could just uh, go like that and all of a sudden things just went where they're supposed to be. The lawn just got mowed like that and uh, your kids got taken care of and all you did was just just all done, all done real quick, you know. Um, perhaps many of us uh, would, would highly consider that option. But there is a process that God works out whenever he is doing something that requires patience. The scripture says you have need of patience so that after you have done the will of God, you will obtain the promise. And in my natural self, I like the click of the finger to take care of it, but there are things that will not happen with a click of the finger that need to happen in the process of preparation. When God called Moses to lead his people, two million approximately, uh, to the promised land, uh, how many of you remember how old Moses was? Anybody know? 80. 80 years old. 80 years old, Moses began his work, and he would serve in that capacity for 40 years. He would die at 120. How many know how old the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was when he did his first public miracle. Not 12, 30. He was sitting with the people in the temple and he was uh, amazing them at the age of 12, but he did not begin his public ministry until he was 30. 
and he served in that capacity for a little over three years. The book of John says that if everything were written down that Jesus did, the books would not even contain it. And that was only three years worth of work. There's a process that God works in your life and in mine that we cannot shortcut. And it's very important. Because there's nothing too hard for God. And God can do things really quick. God is not slow. The scripture says that God is not slow as some people count slowness, but he is long-suffering not willing that any would perish. So the shortcuts sometimes that we think will make life easier for us, there are other consequences to shortcuts that we don't always see. God covers all the bases when he's doing a project. When he looks down on the earth, he sees everyone. He knows amazingly what everyone is saying at the same time. He knows the pain that everyone is experiencing at the same time. He knows right now those who are lost and headed for destruction. He also knows those who have committed their life to follow him. But there's always a process that God works in our lives. And we have to come to grips with the reality that serving the Lord is taking step by step uh, that process that he has for us. And sometimes that's going to be hard for you. Sometimes you would rather skip the preparation and go right to getting the job done. But you may not realize that it's important for the preparation to happen in your life. In Genesis chapter 12, it says, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem, and there he set up camp beside the Oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. The Lord then appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. 
Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. All of us are on a journey. And if we are following Jesus, then we are following him to the destination he has in mind for us. But we're going to get there by stages. It doesn't all happen at once. For any of you who are involved in training in any capacity, you know that training involves time and it involves repetition. It involves getting what you need to learn in your mind, but also you need to be able to respond almost out of habit in the process of learning. Now, God made this promise to Abram and he said, I will give this land to your descendants. God made a promise to Abraham that would outlive him. It would go beyond the day that he died. For in the natural, Abraham did not enter the promised land. God made him such a wonderful promise. But it was for his grand, 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 great, great, great grandkids that they would enter the promised land. Some of you sitting here today, God wants to start a process in your family that has not been started in the past and he wants to affect the generations that will follow in your family. God cares about the future and he'll take whatever amount of time is necessary to prepare you for the things that he has in store for you. And the promise that he makes you is solid. Just as the promise he made to Abraham was solid, it would not change. But it wouldn't happen right away. And between the promise and the fulfillment can be a time when it's very difficult. It's a time when questions can arise. A time when many temptations can come your way. But God wants you to know that the mission that he has called you to is a mission that you will be able to complete if you stay focused on what he has called you to do in the preparation. Having gone to Bible school, I, I went to Bible school because, just for me personally, I sensed in my spirit the spirit of God prompting me to go. And it's hard for me to explain to someone else, but I just knew in my heart that I had to go because God was calling me to go. And, of course, in Bible school, you're not just learning the scriptures. You have to, to get a bachelor's degree. You, you, you deal with all the other stuff, math, science. I mean, it's all tailored to dealing with ministry. But there was stuff sitting in class that I was learning. I'm like, why, why would I want to learn this? Any of you ever sat in a classroom and thought that? But in that process, God was preparing me. See, all of us are going to deal with things in life we don't like. And if those things are always taken off the plate, we're never going to learn to deal with it. And when I went to Bible school, there were, there were young people who started that never finished. 
they didn't finish because for some, their parents had paid their way and they were going. They didn't really want to be there anyways. They were just there because maybe their dad was a pastor or their mom uh, was in ministry, whatever, and their heart wasn't in it, but they just were compelled to be there and so they went. And then others, it wasn't that case. They started out, wow, great intentions, but they didn't finish because temptation came up along the way. Almost every single break we had, even if it was spring break, a week or whatever, I can't tell you with sadness in my heart how many kids would end up falling into temptation simply between breaks at school and had to be dismissed from Bible college because they had practiced immorality or whatever. They had disqualified themselves from pursuing the call that God had placed on their life. There are those who could stand in a pulpit and preach a, a great sermon, well, well written and with great interest and great pizzazz, but the integrity of character wasn't there. The preparation process goes beyond the exterior. It goes to the interior. In other words, what God's preparing is not just your presentation so that you can show yourself to the world in a way that is very presentable that someone goes, ooh, ah, that means very little to God. What God's looking at is what is in your heart. What's in your heart? God's preparation process always focuses on the heart. Always. Everything else is bonus. We took speech class, how you're supposed to present yourself. You're supposed to make sure you look at everybody in the room and you're supposed to make sure you don't say little statements like ah uh, and ah uh, and, and do different things that, that can be little quirks. So all that stuff is helpful in speech presentation. But if you don't have the passion of God to be able to communicate a message that comes from the throne of God, then you can be a great orator without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But that's not limited to ministry from the pulpit. That's, that covers every single area of life. Whatever God has called you to do, you can be a professional at it without the power of the Spirit. But God's interested in you being prepared in your heart. Because even when you've got some rough edges and you're not saying things exactly the way you're supposed to say them, God can take the words that you speak or the things that you do and he can anoint them so that they can do greater things than the best order could ever do. And that's what amazed the people about the disciples. These were unlearned people. They hadn't gone to a, a class to polish their speech. They hadn't gone to a place to tell them exactly how to do things. And yet the Bible says that they spoke with authority and they spoke with boldness. And their understanding of the difference that was made was because simply this, they had been with Jesus. I'm going to tell you something, friend. If you're truly a Christian, that means that you're spending time with the one you're following. Your Christianity is not based on how much time you spend in church. It's based upon on how much time you spend with the one you're following. Because we can pretend certain things. But God sees right through everything. So if others looking at you may say, Oh, that person's got it all together. They seem like they're doing quite well. 
What really matters is what God sees. And when he sees a piece missing, he'll deal with that piece until you get it right because he loves you. And there are times where we want to be involved in ministry. Oh, I want to do great things for God. And that's good. If you want to do great things for God, then you need to allow the Lord to put you through the preparation process. You look even in our military for those who are going to serve in the elite teams. They go through a lot of very, very difficult preparation. You don't show up and say, hey, I think I've got the qualifications of a Navy SEAL. And they're like, really? That's great. We've been looking for people like you. We'll sign you up today. You ready for your first mission tomorrow? They won't do that. Because most of the people who say they're ready are not ready. That's not to be unkind. That's just the reality. The time there have been times when I said, God, I'm ready, and I wasn't ready. And I'm sure for you, you've had those times as well. God, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to win the world for Christ. You just tell me what to do. I'm there. Really? Do you realize what you just said? It's very easy to say things. It's not as easy to do them. Kayla pointed out this family, the Mobius family. See the little children there? They're serving the Lord right along the parents in a place where if they find out that they are followers of Jesus, there's a lot at stake. Parents in this room, how many of you would feel comfortable putting your kids at that risk? There had to be a preparation for them to say, yes, God, I will go. There are challenges that they are facing that us here in this setting in the United States will never experience. Never. There had to be a heart preparation. There has to be a laying down on the line saying, God, even if it costs me this, I'm willing. We're focusing on missions. Missions cost something. Missions is not saying, oh, we support X number of missionaries and, and uh, we, you know, we decorate the room with mission stuff and, and we want to focus on missions. That's great. But that's not what's going to make the difference. The difference is, is what does God want you to do? What does God want you to do? These pictures on the walls represent people for whom Jesus died. Now, the process that God took Abraham through was a difficult one. Because he says to him in verse 1, I want you to leave your native country. I want you to leave what is comfortable for you. I want you to be willing to give it up. I want you to leave your relatives. Now, for those of you who have uh, great family ties, you know that it's not easy to leave your relatives. Uh, what happens when uh, Thanksgiving comes around? What happens when Christmas comes around? What happens in celebrating birthdays? Things change when the pressure comes on of daily life in following Jesus. And God said to Abraham, go to the land that I will show you. 
and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I believe that that blessing is intended to be for everyone in this room. I believe that God's heart and his desire is to bless you and to make you a blessing. But this is the hard part. It's going to cost you. There is always a price to effectively follow Jesus. That's why Jesus said, count the cost before you pick up the cross and follow me. There is a price to follow Jesus. There is a preparation that is required for us to be useful ministers of the gospel. And yes, there are some exterior things that do a help, but the core of it is where is your heart headed? Because when the pressure comes on, what really matters is, are you committed? A study was done on Navy SEALs that actually ended up making it through. And the number of dropouts that ended up leaving the program was very high. I forget the exact amount. It was, I think if I remember right, about 70%. And so they were, they were asking the, the leaders, the trainers, is what made a difference on the people who actually made it through? And interesting, they said, interestingly, they said, it's not necessarily the ones that are the strongest. And it's not necessarily the ones who have the most physical endurance. But it's the ones who refuse to give up. God's looking for a heart that is committed. He's looking for men and women in this room who will say, God, I will do whatever you want me to do. I don't even know exactly what that means right now, but I'm willing to enroll in the school of the Holy Spirit so that you can prepare me, so that you can uh, infuse me with everything that I need to get the job done. God called Abraham, and he would see that promise come to be many, many years later after he had died. But God blessed Abraham and God wants to bless you but that blessing comes with a price can you imagine for example if Abraham had heard those words and said God that's a nice offer you've made but uh, I really love my family events if I leave now we won't be able to have next year's family reunion our, um, our, our, our backyard barbecue just won't be the same without three quarters of my family present. And so that's a nice offer, but I'd rather stay where I am. No, Abraham said, God, I will follow you wherever you lead. And so he left his relatives. That's a very difficult thing. He left his home country. And he progressed traveling toward where God sent him in stages. Now, in the stages of your life, God is going to lead you sometimes in easy paths and sometimes in difficult paths. But one assurance you can have is that as long as God is leading, he's leading you to where you need to go. 
And if you're in the middle of a trial, you can count it all joy. Why? Because the Bible says you are being matured. It's a part of the preparation process. It's like basic training for a soldier to be prepared for what needs to be done. So when things get tough, simply look at it this way. This is an opportunity for me to see and show that my God is able to do what I've told other people he can do. It's one thing to tell other people, you can trust in God, believe in him, he'll always come through for you. That's good. We need to be confident in that. But sometimes when you're going through the situation, it's harder to say that to yourself. I've had to do that sometimes. I've had to speak out loud to myself. Say, Joseph, trust in the Lord. Don't go based on how you're feeling right now. Do you believe what you preach? And my heart says, yes, I do. Yes, I do. But we all get tested, including myself. And so we have to, with all of our hearts, say, God, no matter what you bring me through, I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to follow you. Now, it's God's heart to reach the lost. And I want to turn your attention to the book of Matthew. I like that video, Kayla, that you showed. Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 18, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. It's a great way to start. He sets the tone for what he's going to say next. And then he uses the word, therefore. Whenever you're reading the scriptures and you see the word, therefore, it's important to look back and see what it's there for. And so here we see that Jesus said he's got all authority and on he in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of only the people that live in your community. He didn't say that, though. Did he? No. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations. As I was inflating this globe, I was amazed at just all the nations that are represented in our world today. And uh, how many people who don't know the gospel? How many people who even now are working very hard to live a good life that do not know the good news. Jesus said, go and make, the, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This mission is for every single one of us. God has given us the commission to go and make disciples of all nations. It brings me joy to see people from many nations represented in this congregation. But there are plenty of people that are not represented in this congregation, and they need to hear the good news. There are various ways that God wants us to impact the lost. 
There are certain things we do hands-on, but I want to tell you, there is no way that you yourself are going to spread the gospel to every single person in the globe on your own. That's just, you're not going to do it. So sometimes you may look at that and say, boy, if I can't do that, then what am I even going to do? And we can be overwhelmed by the task. I'm supposed to be sharing the gospel with all nations. I have enough trouble dealing with my own neighborhood. I mean, dealing with schedules, keeping your income coming in and taking care of your family and all these kinds of things. You barely have time to do those things. How are you going to take the gospel to all nations? This is where following Jesus and being led by the Spirit of God comes in. God's not asking you to do everything, but he is asking you to do something. The question is, are you willing to do what he asks you to do? God called Abraham to start the process. He wouldn't be the one to finish it. Joshua was there on the day when his people ended up walking into that promised land. Joshua had the baton at the moment, but the process started way back here in Genesis chapter 12. Years from now, there are things that should the Lord tarry, your kids, your grandkids are going to experience because of your obedience to the Lord today. Just as Abraham's great-grandchildren ended up being blessed by his obedience, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? Sometimes when we look at the task, it seems so large. I know for me it does. My heart breaks for the many who are lost and that don't know the gospel. My heart is encouraged uh, there are so, uh, so many things that are happening in our world today. Yes, we know the negative, but there are also some wonderful positive things. God is pouring out his spirit in nations. There are many who are coming to Christ that in the past were hard-hearted against the gospel. Muslims uh, are coming to Christ in an unprecedented number. Jews are coming to Christ in an unprecedented number. Uh, there are nations uh, that are being uh, swept through by a revival of the power of the Spirit of God. God is at work in our world today. And the question for us is, are we going to be a part of it? And my response is, oh God, let it be. When you walk through Springfield, may you notice us, oh God. And may we be ready for whatever you want us to do. Not for our own glory or the proclamation even of our church name, but for the glory of Jesus Christ. He's the one who died. He's the one who purchased our lives. And he is the one who cared for those today who do not know the name of Jesus. So in this great task that we have, it can be overwhelming. But I'm so glad that God has not left us on our own. It's exactly why Jesus, before he left, he spoke to his disciples and he said to them in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 4, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now my friends, I'm just telling you from the word of God. Those are the words of Jesus. 
He said it was something worth waiting for. He said it was something worth having. And they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we find out in chapter 2 what happened. But prior to that, in verse 8, Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Period. And then he went up to heaven in a cloud. Those are his last words. That's the last thing he said to them before he left. I believe that you and I have been provided everything that we need to do what God has asked us to do. But we have to be willing to do our part. The disciples had to listen to Jesus to go to Jerusalem and to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Keep in mind, God's looking at the heart. He's looking at our hearts more than he's looking on the exterior. Some people get concerned about the operation of certain gifts of the Holy Spirit. But without the heart of God, the gifts are going to be out of order. But with the heart of God, the gifts of the Spirit are going to help accomplish the mission of God. That's why he said, he said and signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will heal the sick. And as these things happen, what happens outside? Well, they see, well, there is a God who is alive and he's active. This is not just a religious gathering where we get together, sing a, sing, sing a couple songs, pray a couple prayers, but that our God is alive and active in the world today. We worship him, yes, and he works on our behalf. My prayer is that we will see the power of God in action in Springfield, in the Pioneer Valley, and around the world as the Spirit of God guides. My prayer is that from this church, God will raise up missionaries. God will raise up pastors. That God will raise up those who will follow him wherever he calls them to go. But in order for that to happen, there has to be preparation. And it's a process. And you're in that process. My prayer to the Lord is, oh God, guide this church. You're the shepherd. You're the shepherd. I'm a pastor, but I'm an under-shepherd. But I'm here to tell you that God cares about lost people. And I want to challenge you to do something about it. So, what's the first step in being available to God. The first step is simply this, saying, where you lead me, I will follow. It's as simple as that. You don't need to know how much money it's going to cost to get where you need to go. You don't need to even know the exact location. 
when God spoke to Abraham, he said, I will give you a land that I will show you. Just follow. Come with me. God essentially says, if you're willing to listen, I'll guide you, but you've got to trust me. On this first week of October, this first Sunday, are you willing to follow the leading of your chief shepherd? Maybe your life is going well. Maybe it's not going so well. But I want you to know that when you follow God, your life will be worth something. And you're not going to be spinning your wheels, just making money to survive and living life so that you can get through to the next day. I know for me, when I'm working on a very difficult project, when it's worthwhile, it brings joy to my heart, even when it's hard. But if I'm doing a job that requires a lot of work and I know that I'm just kind of doing it for no good reason, there's a frustration there. It's like I'm doing, I'm putting out so much effort and energy and it's like I'm taking a pile of bricks and moving it from here to there and then I'm moving it back again. And it's just, you don't feel like you're getting anything really done. But when you're working for the Lord, there is a sense of worth that even if it costs you your life, you know you're making a difference for the kingdom of God. And this is my challenge to you this morning. Consider the cost and see whether you're willing to say, Lord, wherever you lead me, I will follow. And here's what I believe God's going to do this month. He is going to speak to you because he is a speaking God. And if you're listening, he's going to show you what you're supposed to do. And that's going to be customized for everybody in this room. It's not going to be exactly the same cookie cutter for everybody in this room. For some of you, God is going to say, I want you to add to your giving for missions. For some of you, God may speak to you and say, I am calling you to be a missionary and I want you to get ready. For some of you in this room, God wants you to get involved in, in some way in the local outreach to get the gospel out to those who don't know the good news in Springfield and the surrounding Pioneer Valley. But whatever it is, my prayer is that we will be a missions-minded church because we serve a, a missions-minded God. 